Hey, Maggie. Yeah? What do you call a dog that can do magic? I don't know what. A labracadabrador? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman. I am your host, as always, and I am joined this week by my very good friend, the Mistress of Magnificence, otherwise known as Mom, Linda Roble. How are you? I'm doing all right. Getting I, through. I know. We, we are barely surviving, but we are surviving, and you have baby chickens in eggs. Almost. You have almost that chicken. We're more halfway. Than halfway through the, the incubation. Yeah. I know. Which, I'm a YouTube star now with my chickens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I would be, I'm going to be real. If you actually made a monetized YouTube channel that was just raising chickens and eggs and posting videos of baby chicks, I guarantee it. That, I mean, you hear Evan saying he would watch in the <laughs> yeah. background. I guarantee you, you would get hits on that channel. We will talk about this because I truthfully believe that you could make, you know, a couple hundred bucks a year in YouTube ad revenue. Um, well, I'm logging a live stream the hatching. That's the plan. Oh, my goodness. You could live stream the hatching on Twitch. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was Could you imagine? But if you have another way, talk to me about this out, um, restream, outside of the podcast. Listen, girl, restream.io. But before we talk about how to monetize the birth of baby chickens, <laughs> we are also joined by Gwen and Sam from Runaway Parade Games. How you doing, guys? Doing, doing all right. We're still like half a person together. <laughs> if you yeah. add us together, we're half a person. So uh, we, we still exist. But, yeah. Uh, to be on the show, though. <laughs> So, yeah, well, I mean, listen, we've talked, how many times have I been, have I, like, run into you at a convention and been like, yeah, we got to just get you on the show again? And you go, yeah, that sounds awesome. And I know that all of us mean it, right? Like, we genuinely do enjoy talking on the podcast together, but you're, like, adults, <laughs> and you run this wildly comp- popular board game company, and I am mostly an adult. And so it just it just doesn't work. So you guys just have to put out more games so that I have more excuse to like force you to come on here. We'll do. We'll get cracking on it just for the podcast alone. Yeah, just for that. Just just for we'll, we'll call you every week. We're like, yeah. hey, yeah, we got, we got, got this new one. They're like, well, it seems pretty rough. We're like, no, no, it's almost done. Go into Kickstarter. And if anyone he- heard that, uh, we had something happen upstairs that involved an argument between my youngest two and my oldest decided to help by bounding up the stairs yelling, stop. He's not, I don't know. What are you going to do? He's the height of subtlety. Yeah, I mean, he is the height of subtlety. His dexterity (laughs) score is five, everybody. Um, So, and he definitely natural won that stealth check. So, everybody, um, thank you very much to uh, you two for coming on the show. Um, As I alluded to, you have a new game. Uh, Specifically, you have an expansion to Fire Tower that we're going to talk about in our, um, in the segment, you know, I guess we'll call it the topic Right, that's like you know the main thing we're going to talk about. Because I'm excited. Linda has played it. I, you guys know, I love Fire Tower. So, and I told you to make an expansion. So I'm just going to take all the credit. Um, 
the seed, right? All like the kindling, as it were, of this idea. All mine. Um, at, at least that's at least that's my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. You can take all the credit. Totally right. Great. You still, I, I still remember you were the first person. Uh, I think you were the first one to ever see the fire crystals over at CC Fig, and you walked up and you went, "What is this table of fire here?" And we were like, "All right, we, we did it. Like we found <laughs> the right piece." So. Well, I mean, we have to give some credit. Linda saw your table first. Ah. Uh. You, and then you barged over and took I credit. might have been the jerk that totally like flipped your table and was like, hey, what are we doing with these things? But Linda was like, hey, we should go look at this table covered with fire. So I'm going to give Linda a little bit of a, a, a little bit of credit. Well, to be fair, that was my first ever convention. So that was a little bit starstruck at that moment. Yeah, yeah she was like, it was, it, but you, you have grown. You have grown. We got to get you to like Origins or Gen Con, you know, when we're allowed to have those types of things. And just. When we can gather in groups of more than 10. Yeah, when we can. Yeah. <laughs> Gen Con with 10 people would be anticlimactic. You know what I mean? Hey, just just go. 10 people at Gen Con, so. Yeah, exactly. That would be pretty exciting. It'd be pretty, it would actually be pretty cool, actually. I'd be down. <laughs> um. Anyway, maybe they just have like regular Gen Con, but they only let 10 people in at a time. That would be um, awesome. Well, could you imagine you'd have to the run echo? The booth as well, like you'd be the attendee and, sure. and run the booth. Yeah. Sure, I could do it. I bet you I could. I bet you I could run um, a, a a fire tower booth. I could do it. I mean, all I gotta do is just play it a lot and like panic when everyone tries to buy it. Yeah, it's fine. So before we get too much farther, I do want to talk about our sponsors. Uh, Amanda is not here this week. She's busy on Twitch tv slash take this.org whatever um it doesn't matter because it's literally happening right now uh she is helping present some awards for games that um for video games that uh you kind of represented mental health in a positive way they they did the three nominees yesterday and now they're giving away the award it's her and my bff dr rachel coward are both giving the award out which is pretty cool so that's why amanda's not here because she's too important for me i'm not mad um but she has two products that are content that she makes that sp- help sponsor this show. First is her stream on Mixer. That is Ready Player Mom. It is Reckon History. She's playing Civilization with a friend, and they talk about the history of all the player of all of the different heroes and nations and cities, etc. That they then destroy in Civilization. Um, also, the Virtual Economy podcast. If you like listening to me talk about games and get super hype about them, but I've ever been interested in how they get paid for, the Virtual Economy podcast is all about that. So it's her and Mike Futter talking about the business of video games. So those are our two sponsors. I did it. Without, I did, without too many interruptions or breaks, um, the links are in the show notes. Uh, if you are curious. So let's go around the horn. Here's what's weird. Linda and I are parents in the midst of a pandemic. So we have not really gotten to play anything new. So uh, we decided to lean entirely on our guests, which is not fair, but whatever. I'm the boss and I can do what I want. Um, You guys told me that you guys have been playing or had been playing Galaxy Trucker, which is a game that I have wanted to play, but I have never actually gotten my hands. Like I've literally never held the box. Well, I should first say how we got our copy of Galaxy Trucker. I'm because super curious. <laughs> we were at PAX South back in the day when you could go to conventions. And uh, a friend of ours, uh, Mike Belsel, who's also a game designer, mm-hmm. uh, and his partner, Grace, who's also a game designer, were both uh, playing Galaxy Trucker on the digital version. They were doing the app. 
okay. and they were doing the contest, and they won a copy of Galaxy Trucker with all the expansions and everything that came with it. Both of us were super curious about the game, and they had been talking it up to us all weekend. So they gave us the base copy since they already had it, took all the expansions home with us, with them, and uh, we got to play for the first time, I think, in January, right? It was pretty amazing. Mike was almost like, we're going to win it, and then we're going to give you the base game. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, oh, all right, like that could, that could work out. And then all of a sudden, there, there they were with the, the game. Was... Then yeah, it just happened. They were first and second, so they're clearly the two best players of Galaxy Trucker in the universe. But um, yeah, so shout out to them for, for being amazing at Galaxy Trucker. And now that we've played Galaxy Trucker, I understand how incredibly hard that is and what an accomplishment it was. Yeah, we were playing it every night. There's this amazing moment where you're all throwing your tiles down, building your ship, and you're like, all right, everyone, like time to go. And then one person will look down and just start groaning and realize they haven't connected half their ship, and then it just breaks apart and half of it drifts off in, into the, the mist of space. So it is, it's a tense experience. Should we give a quick rundown of what the game's about? Yes, please. Because my guess is it's about being a galaxy trucker, but that's yes. all I got. <laughs> so it's a real-time game at the beginning. You're uh, all competing to build a spaceship as quickly as you can. Uh, and there's rules kind of like a Carcassonne-style thing where you can only attach certain pieces to each other, so they have to fit together uh, in a certain way. If you find out later in the game, because it's real time, so you're going as fast as you can, you'll often find out that you made a huge mistake, connected a whole section of ship that now actually wasn't, uh, you know... Attached right. A, yeah, attached right. wasn't adhering to the rules, so you have to just remove that chunk of ship. So the whole game ends up being, you know, you trying to build this really good ship, and then, after that, you draw cards, play, thing, play cards to sort of see what happens in outer space. And your ships get attacked. Uh, you try to, uh, you know, fend off invaders. You try to go faster than your opponents and things like that. You basically try to weather the storm, as they say, and, you know, beat back as much as you can and win the game. It's so hard and so fun Possibly and so fast-paced. And I've never... Uh, we played with a friend of ours um, who is really into video games and i feel like this was the game that made him more into board games because it's got that sort of real-time feel where you're super stressed out about you know sort of getting to the next level and everything like that yeah. so it's a highly recommended it's There's such like a an game. amazing moment where your pride gets ahead of you where you're like at the start you're like my ship is amazing i'm gonna make it all the way to the end and by the end all you have is your little command module where your steering wheel is basically and you have your last guy alive in there and there's nothing you can do you're just drifting through space or everything's just gone and you're you've been killed what i love about it too is that uh sam and i are incredibly competitive with each other especially probably worse than anybody else and so this is a really good game because you can try that you're you know you can do your best but even if you make a perfect ship there's a chance that you'll just you know get hurt by the cards and you kind of can't control completely what's going to happen to you so it's a lot of fun you know like the storyline of it is fun and you don't have to worry so much as like oh did i have the best strategy and i lost because i wasn't perfect at this game it's really just more about having fun and building the best ship as quickly as you can and then watching it explode into 100 pieces <laughs> Sounds like the chance element with the cards really just makes it a lot lighter than if it was so reliant on your strategy alone. Yeah, we were both laughing hysterically the whole time we played it, I think. <laughs> that sounds, sounds good perfect. To me. 
I have a feeling I would make the worst ship ever. <laughs> um, just because, you know, I'm the, we we know the bit. I'm hilariously bad at games, so uh, this sounds like my spaceships would be very very stupid. Um, just an FYI for everybody, Galaxy Trucker is currently in print, um, and it retails. The MSRP is about sixty dollars. Um, and you can get it less expensive, you know, at various places. Right now, it's currently, you know, in the in the 30s on Amazon. It's from Czech Games, so they're the same folks that made, um, code, you know, the well that published Code Names, um, and a couple other things. So this is this game is not impossible to find. And as the as they mentioned, it, there's also an app version. So if you want to give it a try there, uh, go ahead and download it on your phones. Uh, that's where I've seen most people playing it, believe it or not. Like, this is a game that's like, I, I've, I've, like I said, I've never held the box, which now that I know that it's like a $60 game that's in print, feels really stupid to me. Like, I should have at least seen it somewhere. But what are you going to do? Um, so that is Galaxy Trucker. Man, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited. I just put it in my cart. Um, <laughs> because I have a problem. Um... So we, before our, you know, before I hit the record button, we started with a, uh, you know, just kind of going around to, to test the waters to see who had played anything interesting. And you guys suggested um, a solo game called Arion from Z-Man, which admittedly we don't talk a lot about solo games here because normally it's about like playing as a family. However, uh, no better time like the present to talk about solo games because sometimes... One person's all you got. So, what is Arion? So, <laughs> it's so funny when you have these things where you're like, "Oh yeah, we've been playing this game," and then someone's like, "Well, what's it really about?" And you're like, "Oh my god, how do I how do I overcome this?" Um, it's a it's like more um, what is it like onerous like Yahtzee in a way where you're like trying to roll to get certain combinations of the dice, but there's a lot more things complicating it. I don't know. You, you know it better than me. So the theme of the game is uh, building airships. And I think you have blueprints. You have to, you know, sort of work to build. You need the parts and so on and so forth. Uh, it's all part of the, I think it's called the Oniverse. So Z-Man makes a whole series of games. Um, the artwork in all these games is unbelievable. It's like a really different style. I, I'm a super big fan. Um, another of the games they make is Sylveon. That's another one we've played. I know there's Oni Ream. There's a bunch of different games within this universe. But the concept is they're all solo, or you can play with them with two players, but they're really meant to be solo. We do two-player versions, um, which are kind of like the solo extended to be two players. So it's cool that there's a series of games that's really based on being solo, um, and then they like, oh, we'll expand to two players rather than the other way around. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, ro- this one's dice rolling, like Sam said, and it's kind of like a roll and write without having to write anything, but a similar concept. Yeah, no, it's cool. All these games have like varying levels that you can add. There's uh, Sylveon has this too, like seven or eight expansions. So you feel like you've solved the puzzle. Then they add one more complication, which then crushes your soul. And then you get your confidence back up and you overcome that. And then you're crushed again on the next level. So you can keep playing it. Uh, almost forever. With uh, we haven't even added all the elements yet. Yeah, I like that about cooperative games. This idea that you can sort of work your way up through the levels. It again, it kind of reminds me of video games where um, you're trying to, uh, you know, finish something and then move on to the next thing. That's really really fun. 
not as easy with a competitive game, but it works really well with solo or cooperative. That Absolutely. Really I'm looking at that one on the Z-Man website. It says 15 minutes. Is it really that quick to play through? Does, does, is it really fast and... <laughs> Maybe after the first couple of plays. I don't think it was that quick for us, it's, but... It's pretty quick because it has a an endpoint that is predetermined. Yeah. The deck runs okay. out and the, the game will end once you've exhausted all the decks. So it's, okay. it is quick, though. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel slow. It feels like a quick game. That's good. Something nice to distract you, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, you know, man, we're, the, the Fire Nation is attacking, so we have to deal with a whole lot. So, um, the, all right. So that's Arion, and it is, you know, it says it right on the box. It's part of the Oniverse. I, I do know there's a, the one that I am familiar with is Onirim. That one has, I know, has an app as well. So for those folks with, you know, iPhones, iPads, et cetera, looking for a little bit, uh, go look these games up because uh, they look pretty neat. And I would think that solo board games would play very well on an iPhone. That's yeah, it does seem like a pretty good idea. Yeah, I mean, that, just eyeballing it, it sounds great. I think it's just a matter of implementation. Um, and, yeah, it looks like you're making kites in this game, and that looks pretty... That's a pretty cool theme uh, just in and of itself. Uh, so good on you, Shady Torby, the designer. So um, that's around the horn. Really, instead of around the horn, we just went to whatever base y'all are standing at and went and just stood there. <laughs> um for those that didn't know, yeah, around the horn is actually a baseball reference. Weird that I make it because I don't even like baseball, but here, here we go. Um, so why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and then it is just all about Fire Tower and its expansion, Rising Flame. So we will be back in just a moment, everybody. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Steve, I'm the host. If you like listening to this podcast, you probably like some of our other content too. You can find that all over social media, so make sure to head over to facebook.com slash engagedfamilygaming. Perhaps you might like to see some stuff on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash E-F-G-A-M-I-N-G or maybe you just want to head on over to Instagram and look for Engaged Family Gaming there. See you later, guys. Bye now. Welcome back to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Steven Dutzman. I'm still your host. I'm still here with Linda and also with the, the whole crew from Runaway Parade Games, all two of you. And um, we are here now to talk about Fire Tower first. Let's just gush about it a little bit more. We haven't done that enough. Um, for the record, no, they don't pay me to do that. I just like it. And... Um, then we're going to talk about Rising Flame, which is an expansion for Fire Tower that's coming to Kickstarter very, 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 very soon. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so first off, we got the Fire Nation attacking. You have literally Fire Tower. I know that they're not actually related. Um, what is it like <laughs> running a board game company that kind of depends on, exp like, like conventions and stuff like has this been stressful for you guys outside of just the normal apocalypse of the fire nation attack 
Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, kind of derailed everything we had planned for the company and how to grow. Like the whole, I mean, as you guys know as well, like the whole convention season is shut down. Uh, so we're trying, and we've always kind of, all our interactions have been with people in person playing the games with people. So we're not, our like digital presence is not high. We've never been very good at that. So we're trying to make some adjustments with that. And also it's putting, it does feel like, yeah, putting more, uh, I don't know, it's bringing the Kickstarter more into focus because this is like the one way we can interact with the, the board game community in the upcoming future in that way. Other than talking to you guys, which is great right now. <laughs> Uh, we are thankful that we are, you know, we have work that we can do with the Kickstarter and that, you know, we're able to continue to do that and still stay safe and in, in, in all of this. So definitely appreciating, appreciating the work at the moment. So that as well. Yeah, right. Having a Kickstarter is something to do. I have to imagine, let's just pretend you didn't have an expansion just ready to go. You probably would have had to just make one, right? Like, <laughs> basically, yep. Because, <laughs> like, what else are y'all gonna do? I mean, now you're you're you know getting ready to market it, but like, I feel like creatives trapped in a house. Like, this is like what this is this is what we do, right? <laughs> it's so funny because it's both, right? Because on the one hand, you're like, okay, I this is what I've kind of been waiting for is the time and the space to create things, but there's so much going on it's you know it's it's honestly it's hard to be creative during these times but you know we've been working on games but not as much as i would imagine if you know somebody told me that you would have this like great space span of time with nothing to do but stay at home and you know design but yeah. you know we're trying to get as much done as we can which you know i'm I'm grateful for. I think I, everything is just happening at quarter speed. Yeah. I'm slower yeah. than I've ever been. And I keep looking at Gwen and being like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so distracted? And she's like, oh, the pandemic. And I'm like, oh, oh yes. Right. yes. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good reason. It's not well, That's the great illusion. That's yeah. the great illusion of us being home. We think we have all this time, and you really only have a fraction because you're distracted by this thing. You have this responsibility, and there's things that are pulling your time more than you would think. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. And spoken by a first grade teacher with two children. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, and What's listen. What's this time you speak of? I have none of it. Yeah, I know. I know. Listen, I get, whew, yeah. you know, like I'm busy to begin with. And now it's, it's crazy. I, 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 here's what I wish. I wish instead of this, I wish we had like a two week long blizzard that just locked the entire Northeast down. Just like. No one can go anywhere. We all have power. You know, we all had, you know, we all got our milk and bread and we can just like stay at home for like two weeks and didn't have to do anything else. But, you know, that's less scary. Like we're used, you know, we live in the Northeast, right? Like we're used to snow. That's what I would really like. Let's just have like an eight week blizzard. Um, I know that's never going to happen, but here we are. The Fire Nation is attacking. We're managing as best we can. Um, I'm so glad that you guys... not selfishly, I'm glad that you have this thing because I am excited to see Fire Tower grow because I have been one of the big fans of Fire Tower since the beginning. Um, and maybe I'm not fan number one, but like I gotta be like fan number like in the in the in the double digits at least. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um. So, 
you so you were we were fortunate enough uh, that you had a demo copy of Rising Flame the expansion. You sent it over to Linda after I believe a conversation at some convention. I can't even remember at this point. Was it Bfig last year? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she. Uh, obviously played it, number one, because we knew you were having on the show, but number two, because she was very excited to get it to the table. Um, but Linda had a really interesting experience, and Linda, I'd love to hear you tell it again, but you realized that you never taught your kids how to play. <laughs> that you were just playing it with the grown-ups, and you know, they, they just never had actually gotten it to the table. Yeah, so it, it's funny. After falling in love with it at the the very first CT fig that I went to um, and like, you know, having it as a must have on my shelf, I realized as I'm trying to teach my family, I was going to teach them the expansion first. And then I realized they didn't know the base game because I've brought it to a few game days and the children are playing something else with the other children. And my husband is playing a different game with the other husbands. And I had played with some of my girlfriends and we've had that happen a few times. And I realized my family had never played it. So we had to start from square one. <laughs> so, and then my family immediately showed how well I'm a how well I am at teaching because they trounced me mightily. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, scary. Fire Tower, you can gang up on somebody real bad if you just want to get them out. Get them out, um, which is a problem because a lot of times people gang up on me, which is mean. Um, but I usually deserve it because um, as much as I am bad at games, I talk a lot of junk. Can you guys imagine that I'm a trash talker? <laughs> Um, Stunning. Yeah, I know. Linda's like, yeah, I've heard this. Specifically designed for you, then. Yeah, pretty much. You have there's like literally a revenge character now. I know. I I was so excited when I saw that. So, so yeah. I mean, so I I needed Linda to tell that story with you guys on the call just because it was so funny because we know she's played it a bunch, but and it never occurred to me that it was never with her kids. I think you played it with my kids. But never with hers. No, I um, played it with your wife and your kids, not yeah, mine. Exactly. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, right? Um, so you guys, you put this game out. It was a just a wild success by, you know, every stretch I, uh, every stretch of my imagination at least. Um, and so you've got this new expansion. How long have you been working on it? Pretty much since we, you know, finished the Kickstarter from the last one. Or, I don't know, maybe... Maybe even before. You don't even know you're working on the expansion. At least this is my first expansion, so I don't know if everyone feels this way. But over time, people would just mention things. You'd be at a convention playing with someone, and they'd say, hey, have you ever thought that maybe the fire can move like this? And at first, you'd kind of look at them, and you'd think in your mind, like, this is crazy. Like, that would unbalance the game. But then when you go home, and you're sitting around, you're like, hey, you know, maybe you could implement that, and you could change it a little bit in order to integrate it into the game. And then there's one of those things, and then there's a dozen of them, and then they're interacting with one another, and then suddenly you're like, well, why don't we make this into an expansion <laughs> rather than just our, our secret little fire tower project that we play with each other? One of the cool things about we spent such a long time with fire tower, I think it was three years before we went to Kickstarter and we also have been taking it to a convention. So we got to play it so much and we wanted to, you know, really streamline that experience. But it's true. You get to just you get to meet so many people and talk to so many people about the game. So it's just inevitable that you have you know, all these ideas and people give you ideas for what, you know, what you could add. So, it, yeah, it's been so much fun to make the expansion. 
And one thing people have always been asking about, they're like, why don't you add animals to the game? Like, you should have some animals running around the forest. And I've always thought, well, mostly animals running around the forest would just be fleeing or burning. So <laughs> I spent a long time searching, like, animals that influence fire rather than just running away, other than humans. And that's when we stumbled across the firehawks, which are the only animal I could find that set fires other than human beings. Um, and as soon as we learned about those, that really kicked the expansion into the next gear. We're like, we have to have these birds in the game. Okay, so what? Yeah, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, no, Steve, this is so yeah, cool. Fill me in, they guys. exist. I had to Google this. So um, it, it's been known for, uh, talked about for, for centuries in Australia that hawks will, hawks, this is true, hawks will hunt on the edge of a forest fire. You can actually look up videos of hawks just picking off mice and other small mammals as they flee the f f flames. Uh, so they found that hawks will actually pick up little burning branches, uh, little bits of burning tree matter, and then drop it into other parts of the forest to start a new fire in order to flush out prey from that area and then devour it as well. This has been legend for a long time. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people have been saying it, but they didn't get actual proof un until very recently. So literally since we started thinking about incorporating firehawks into the game. And yeah, now all these articles have been coming out All of a sudden, like, you know, National Geographic is writing about it as a true phenomenon. So hawks that spread fires. It's pretty That's crazy. super cool. Those I actually jerks. asked my, my family, because they love watching, like, all the different science channels, and they know these random things about animals. I'm like, have you guys heard of this? And they had no idea. <laughs> so it is a, it is a lesser-known fact, which is kind of cool. True firehawks, yeah. I mean, I'm sure not doing as much damage as humans, but... Well, well, also, yeah. I mean, the ones in the wild, you can't, like, bend to your will and send after your friends. <laughs> That's the magic of board games, though, right? <laughs> but there's yeah. such a cool element to the game. They add such a neat spin. So, oh, why don't so we? So why don't we go there? Uh, one of the three of you... Because uh, I have not played it because I haven't been able to go to Linda's house to play it because the Fire Nation is attacking. Um, Linda, true. So one of the three of you, tell me, what, what happens? What do these Firehawks do? Linda, you should go ahead. Oh, should... <laughs> and then you can tell me how I've misinterpreted them. This, this is, is fantastic. Quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so the Firehawks, you get to place them in your quadrant of the board. Um, so there's this whole like different part of it where it's you're looking at the board slightly differently. You're focusing on, on your quadrant. You're placing them to start. And then you they get to travel. Like the fire. So they, I'm trying to think how to explain it simply. So if fire gets to them, it ends up you are relocating it to a different portion of the board. But it's got to be an adjacent. Let's see. I'm just making sure I've got this right. That it's adjacent to... Um, a pre-existing gem. So it's not just anywhere you want. It's got to be adjacent to something that already exists, but it's still spreading the fire in a different place, which is so super basically, neat. So basically, yeah, if fire comes into a space that a hawk is occupying, the you hawk gets to then up. pick it up, fly it away to another part of the board, and attach it to a different part of the fire. So they end up being kind of a line of defense and a line of offense at the same time. Huh. It can change a lot of it because, you know, sometimes in Fire Tower, uh, you can really be getting pinned down by the wind and it's coming at you. Now you can kind of like put out a screen of Firehawks in front of it and just start ditching, uh, pitching those gems out at your opponents as they're sending the wind down towards you. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, changed up the tactics quite a bit in the game. Me and Gwen are getting to the point where... 
we're playing and going to make a move and for the first time in a while I'm like I don't know the perfect play on, on this one <laughs> even though I've played this game about 2,000 times right it's such a variable now because they can move it virtually anywhere but um all right so that okay so that that is a really cool addition um and apparently a very cool factual one um so did the bird come first or did the mechanic come first and then you tied it and you tied it together this case it was actually the bird first i think the bird came first uh yeah I, i a lot of fire tower was mechanic uh, mechanics first, but um, in this case, it was it was theme first. We really wanted to find that you know sort of enticing animal, and this just sort of the hawk fit the bill, and also the mechanic ended up working out really well to add sort of something else that players can be creative with in a different system uh, without breaking the game or you know you know sort of fitting into the realm of what Fire Tower allows you to do and not you know making it overly complicated. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I super dig it. I'm one of the things, and we talked about this before, and Linda has heard me talk about this, before, you know, a number of times. I'm always interested in the why behind different game mechanics or different game design decisions, just because you know, the the act, of, really, the art of making games is so fascinating to me, and I am so bad at it. I've never even tried, but I know I would be bad, and so. Um, you know, to, to kind of get an idea as to where people get some of this, you know, creative mojo from, you know, what influenced a specific decision is always fascinating to me. Um, and in this one, the fact that you were like, no, nah, we got to figure out how to get this stupid bird in here. Um, <laughs> sounds really great. I mean, that must have been an awesome moment when you when it finally clicked. Right. It was. I think I was like, Gwen, Firehawks, Firehawks, Firehawks. And she was like, what? What's, what's a Firehawk? Yep, that's about how that went. And I think she thought I was like trying to add some like high fantasy element to the game or something. I yeah, mean, some... are phoenixes next? No. We we have talked about phoenixes. They have been discussed. <laughs> I mean, I would hope they would be on a whiteboard somewhere. Like yes, maybe not seriously considered, but you know. Yeah. Well, so far, okay, with the exception of the shadow of the wood. Uh, the haunting, vengeful spirit of the towers, but everything else in the game has been from real life. So um, it's not something that we, you know, talk about a lot. But all the terms in Fire Tower are real terms, and over the course of years now, we've met a lot of wild firefighters, and they're probably the few people who both know and appreciate that the terms we use are real. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, wait a second, are you guys wild firefighters? We're like, no, but we wanted it to be, you know. It's not a realistic game, but we wanted it to be real, at least in that way. So, And it's such a neat layer to it that it is the real words. And so you kind of are learning the science of firefighting to a degree. Yeah, it's interesting. And with the expansion, we've gotten to explore that a little bit more. For example, um, something we really wanted to incorporate was uh, this concept of backburning. So mm. honestly, the most common way of building a firebreak in firefighting is to burn something because once it's burned it can't be burned again makes total sense right. uh, so to try and incorporate that into the game mechanics in a way that made sense and worked with the game was really fun yeah it's a neat additional component to, to setting your, your defenses against you know the fire coming into your tower 
some of the names are just so like so great too that that was yeah. with the rolling fire brand too I, I found <laughs> that one in just the firefighting glossary and we're like we I, what is it we're like we gotta right. get it you gotta yeah. use it yeah crown yeah. fire is another one that just it's like what it sounds so cool yeah <laughs> yeah in an awful yeah. awful bernie <laughs> way when we're learning when teaching it to people at conventions they often people will get confused like the burning snag sometimes like we'll be playing the right. game and about halfway through people get the burning shag <laughs> And I'm just like, all right, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. That's what it is for now. It's been a long day by that point. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Linda, I know you said that you had some questions for them. Why don't you, why don't you, did they cover everything? Because um, they, we, we've had a pretty oh, long no, conversation. Not, not all right, quite. good. So, here we go. All right, I'm letting Linda loose right. on you guys, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I wanted to first talk about the shadow of the wood because the first time I read it, I had to read it like three times to really process, not because of the, as a critique of writing, but just because I wasn't expecting that kind of spin on what you can do once you're eliminated, once your tower's eliminated. Um, and so it just, it, it was a surprise to me and it was a pleasant surprise because that's really tough is, especially when you're playing the basic version of Fire Tower to first learn it, um, which is the, when I played with my family, we played the very, very basic version. And so when you're out, you're out, that's it. Yeah. And so seeing this deeper, richer Shadow of the Wood spin where the shadow can win instead of the players was so cool. Um, <laughs> so Steve, just, you know, I realize I'm re referencing it not explaining it to everyone else. So Shadow of the Wood, the eliminated players are now the wood spirit to a richer level and they're rolling a die, a die to do different things. And there's, you know, depending on your role, you're affecting the board in different ways. And literally the shadow of the wood, the people that have been eliminated could un ultimately win the game if they can get the other fire towers to burn. Did I miss any major details in that? No, that's, no, that, that's perfectly perfect. described. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, we really just wanted to uh, we wanted to keep everyone in the game uh, till the end. You know, that's why we made the, like the team variant. And, uh, we, you know, the initial shadow of the wood card was just a nod to people getting to take their revenge. But over time, we just decided, why not like enrich that? Uh, why not give people more of a chance and make it like a more tactical experience, especially if uh, you're playing a four player game and two people are knocked out. Now they're kind of working with each other, trying to take out the other towers. And it really. Uh, heightens the tension too for the towers because if you burn down someone early they're going to spend the rest of the game just kind of spreading the flames for you and uh, uh you know trying to take their their bitter revenge and potentially still win the game it's also very fun to have a game of fire tower where every tower burns down you're like well you guys won by making everyone lose <laughs> yeah and it's neat because now it's not a player elimination game in the same way because you're still playing it's just your role completely changes yeah uh, I, yeah, that's. I really like the idea of changing the role after a, a tower is destroyed. So instead of saying like, "Oh, you just get to keep playing and everything is the same," which is a lot of games, you know, when they try to keep players in, that's what they do. Uh, so we wanted to make it, you know, really feel different as the Shadow of the Wood. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching people play. It's like almost. Almost to the point where you're like, I kind of want to have my tower be destroyed because I want to take on this new role. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping my family gangs up again and then I can exact my revenge. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
happen at conventions. We, we usually don't explain uh, that it's happening until uh, someone has gone out. And they'll kind of be like, oh, well, I got burned out, but it was a good game. And you're like, but you're still in it. And they're like, what do you mean I'm still in it? And they're like, well, you are now a vengeful ghost. And just the look on their face is, uh, I don't know, it's very... I'm sure uh, it's utter glee. <laughs> I mean, That's listen, fantastic. that does sound that does sound fun, um, you know, and it's a great way to keep people into the game. So what else you got, Linda? So my question for you is, after doing the Fire Tower Kickstarter initially, what did you learn in that experience that is changing how you're doing things with the Rising Flames Kickstarter as you're getting ready to launch? What were the lessons learned that, that you wish to share? Um, I, I would say one is just ask questions about everything <laughs> because uh, i would say the biggest pitfall for us in the first one is the questions we didn't even know to ask which is uh, i don't know that's like a silly old adage but it's true you're sitting there very confident oh we've got this and then suddenly someone's like oh you, you know that thing doesn't work that way you know in the board game industry thankfully everyone is there to share their knowledge but every once in a while someone just says something and it throws you a curveball and you're suddenly like oh gwen i, I gotta talk to you somewhere <laughs> we have right, to there's, right there's always things you're not expecting you can't know everything yeah What's really cool about the board game industry, too, is that, you know, it really is like a community of people working together. I mean, I think literally earlier today, I uh, wrote to Jason Maselli, uh, one of the people from Geek Favorite Games, who's an amazing designer, because I literally, you know, he's the person I can think of to ask this ridiculous question about the difference between... (laughs) printing on meeples and these different ways and it's and you know it gets so specific at some point that you're like the only person I can ask is someone who's already experienced that and luckily you know there's a whole community of people out there who uh, both have gone through the same thing and ha- are you know more than willing and excited to talk about it which I'm so appreciative of yeah so, yeah that's that's definitely one of the biggest things we've learned. I mean, it it is nice, you know, certain things now are like, oh, okay, like fulfillment, like we don't have to go through that again. That it, That's a cool thing. I mean, there's always new problems, but you do learn that at least some of the things you've surmounted, you the next time around, they're not as difficult and you're not terrified of each little right. part. It's not a new path this time. Exactly. Yeah. That's so neat. All right. I've got one more big question. Um, so overall, with this process of creating an expansion for this amazing game, what did you find was the biggest obstacle and like what surprised you the most in, in the process? Um, I think I would say that what what we, w- we worked really hard on the original Fire Tower and it's something that um, we really put, you know, a lot of effort, time and effort into and we also talked to a lot of people about it. And so we wanted to create something that was in line with that. And we also had a ton of ideas for it. So actually it wasn't actually an issue of, you know, we need more to add to this game. It was actually the opposite. Like how do we make this, you know, still easy to learn, easy to, you know, understand, not too much set of time, all these things that we really worked hard on to achieve with fire tower to keep that in the expansion without making it, you know, overly complicated or turning it into a different type of game, making it something that people who liked the base game would enjoy, not something that would be for a new audience. That actually ended up being much harder, I guess, than I expected, because when you add something to a game, it obviously transforms it. So you want to transform it with the people who care about it, not transform it away from the people who care about it. 
And so that was a really interesting experience. Yeah, especially because it's what I was saying, just like fine tuning Fire Tower. I don't know how many like months we would have a discussion like, well, I think there should just be three of these cards in the deck instead of four. <laughs> and that would be like a decision that would last for, for two years when we go back and forth on it. So now you're adding, you know, a, a whole new deck of cards into the game. So once again, like all of that, uh, you're you're reworking that whole formula once again. So yeah, that was uh, more difficult than I thought as well. Also, friends that just paring down too. Yeah, you can. We went far afield on some things. So there's <laughs> definitely like some strange days where we're like, all right, we're gonna spend the weekend designing this one part of the game, and at the end of the weekend, you'd be like, well, that's not worth the whole part. Maybe we'll turn that into just one card. One of the wow. things that a lot of people asked us for uh, during the first Kickstarter was solo mode, and we did come up with a solo mode for Fire Tower. But it was funny because everybody was like, solo mode should be no problem, and our first drafts of solo mode were like this weird Frankenstein thing that really had nothing to do with fire, fire tower at all. And you're building out these fires. It was like this like two hour game that we were playing that was horrible. And we played it a bunch before we're like, no, wait, this isn't, what are we doing? Like we have to, turn around and like go back to the drawing board completely but this version is thankfully, terrible but thankfully we were able to like to salvage some of the ideas from that and really what it was was steering the ship back towards making this feel more like fire tower like when was saying just making it feel like the original game even though you're playing by yourself and, yeah and that's what it is now now it just feels like you're playing a game of fire tower except all three other towers are trying to destroy you and you're fighting against all of them yeah, yeah now you guys did an amazing job of keeping that core feel but adding so many new layers to it. So it's oh, just wonderful. So thank you so much for making this. This is wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad you liked it. And I also, you know, as somebody who will play this event, you know, when the Fire Nation stops attacking and I can make it to Linda's house, I'll be able to give it a go. The um, getting rid of the player elimination piece and kind of keeping everybody go, I think really goes a long way to making it more of a you know family-friendly game. Not to say that the first version wasn't, because uh, obviously it was, uh, but it certainly helps, right? Because the the one thing that can kill kind of a board game moment is, you know, when a younger kid, um, you know, who isn't a great loser gets eliminated. And this kind of gives them that incentive to come back in. So I really appreciate you guys adding that in. That was always uh, one of those more kind of awkward points for me. If I had any complaint, it was that, and now it's gone. Plus Firehawks. So, like, I don't know, like, what... I don't know, like, what you could possibly do for another expansion. But, like, since I'm taking credit for inspiring this expansion, I'm just going to go ahead and just right away sow the seed. Um, you know, just lay the spark to uh, get that fire going for another expansion, right? I mean, there's got to be something. Well, the whiteboard's coming out right now. I'm, I'm throwing down uh, a right. new name. <laughs> Listen, I mean, we all, you know how much I love whiteboards. So, um, because, you know, that's what, the whiteboarding phase is when you can get real stupid. So, um, my, my official suggestion for a mechanic is tanks. That's it. Um, I thought it would be transformers. I mean. Because, you know, you've got the spark. I mean, oh, wow. That was a deep, deep, deep cut. That was a deep cut. One very unexpected from you, Linda. I'm very proud. Um, I, that's still. I'm still very impressed that you paid attention enough. Well done. Um, that just took me by surprise. Everybody listening, um, that was a deep, deep Transformers reference. No, uh, I I wanted to come up with something that was like the most absurd thing that I could suggest 
that wasn't like patently offensive. It was so absurd, you know. <laughs> Like, clowns is just rude, you know what I mean? But, like, I feel like tanks is, like, just enough inside bounds. You know what I mean? Like, it's possible. You could, like, maybe imagine it. Probably not. Like, one step away from a bulldozer, right? Yeah, exactly. A tank is just a, weird, it's just a bulldozer I'm with a sorry, big gun. Sorry. We're going to go be going with clowns on this one. <laughs> I think we have to... Um, Rising flames, the circus, extra expansion. Uh, I, oh, I and let the nightmares begin. Oh, man, listen. That would be great. Rain juggling balls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Listen, this is what... This is what whiteboard brainstorming is all about. We're just throwing really crazy stuff. And before you know, you're going to put out a Halloween expansion with a bunch of clowns in it. Um, Because in this case, the forest fire starts on Halloween. So, um, because why not, right? Because right now we can do whatever we want. It doesn't cost anyone money. Um, So... Sam and Gwen, it's been great having you guys on the show this week. Um, you know, when is, let's do let's do the the hard facts. When is this game coming to Kickstarter? June 9th. That's yeah. very soon. That so this is very soon. Don't remind us. No. <laughs> For real. Okay, so you said June 9th. So this podcast will be publishing on May 29th, assuming all goes well. Uh, and so as of the time that this will go, uh, you guys will have, you know, you know, just, just a little bit less than two weeks to go. Um, I'm sure you're nervous, but you will be fine. Your last Kickstarter went perfectly. This will be great. You have built-in fans. Very excited to see how crazy this goes. And we will obviously share it out to our community because we know that we have more than a few Fire Tower fans among us. Um, guys, would you believe it if I told you that that was episode 222 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast? A palindrome, mind you. The ultimate palindrome. <laughs> We did it. Incredible. 222. Yeah, it's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime episode. Once-in-a-lifetime. Whenever I mean, because 333 is going to be a while. I mean, it's we're going to get there. But it's going to be, you know, it'll be a couple years. Linda will be well tired of me by then. Um, <laughs> actually, it's been at this, 20 years. We, we're, we're good. Yeah, at this point. She's used to, <laughs> Linda's definitely used to my crap at this point. Okay, so everybody, listen. Normally, I have... I've got my usual favor, which is everyone listening to this podcast knows one person who needs to listen to this podcast, even if they don't know about us. So here's what I want you to do. By whatever means necessary, smoke signals, text messages, I don't know, figure it out. Get our podcast in front of them. Let's inflate our numbers a little bit more. You know, bigger audience means bigger guests, which might mean bigger sponsors, which, you know, who knows what this could turn into. So help us out that way. The other one is uh, make sure that when you make sure you follow our social media channels so that when we blast out this Kickstarter, you go and at the very least, give it a look. Right. Watch the video. You know, give them a back because this is going to be a this will be a fun ride. They, you guys ran a great campaign last time. The game is fun, so it'll be a it, it, it'll be a good time for all involved. I think, especially if you like can fire. We add, can we add a little something in there? A little incentive? Oh, of course, absolutely. Uh, I, so, I was hoping that you would. <laughs> so if you uh, sign up for our mailing list, which is on runawayparade.com, um, we're actually offering a free mini. Firehawk expansion. Uh, it's currently called Megahawks. We probably need to come up with a new name. Not sure about no that. No way. Yet. No way. No, that name is amazing. Megahawks? Are you kidding? 
That's how it came about. I said it once at a convention, and everyone at the table was like, oh, that's what they have to be. And since then, I'm like, I don't know, Glenn. I'm feeling pretty good about Mega Hawks. No, Mega Hawks is absolutely amazing. Do they have, like, 80s hair, though? Because they need, like, 80s hair. It could, it could be a stretch goal. All right. Um, so if you cool uh, sign up for uh, sign up for our mailing list, you get a free Mega Hawk expansion. That's for uh, – different custom meeples that we're going to be giving away to everybody on our mailing list who backs our expansion on day one. Um, so okay. if you're interested, definitely check that out. Yeah. And they just are firehawks. They're more powerful. You can actually move them at the start of your turn and they can actually grab gems that are adjacent to them. So they're, they're much more active and aggressive uh, firehawks. Well, they're mega. mega. They're mega. Do you yeah. take, if you take out one of your opponents, do you get to steal one of their powers? That's what, <laughs> that's, I, that's a deep uh, cut. That's a deep yeah. cut. <laughs> that was a Mega Man joke for everybody who was wondering. Um, oh. I am a nerd. Anyway, everybody, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as the four of us enjoyed recording. Gwen and Sam, you guys are going to have to come on when you're not selling something. Um, so we can just, you know, mess around and play around uh, and, and just tell jokes about board games. Um, but for real, thank you very much for coming on board. We love talking about your games. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Anytime you're bored, just shoot me a message. We'll get you on here. So until next time, everybody, have yourself a wonderful week. We will be back next time to talk about video games. Topic TBD because it's June. So everything, it's almost June. So the whole world is, is about to open up for the video game stuff. So we'll figure it out. But until next time, don't forget to safely get your family game on. We'll see everybody soon. Bye. 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 Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod and audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions. Yeah, it was on the EFG show, which is our you know Facebook show we do on Thursdays, and somebody made the joke, and I was like, no, we got to just stick with that. And so now I've just been enforcing it because it's hilarious, because it's, it's clear enough also, you know, subtle marketing for Avatar The Last Airbender, which is on Netflix right now. So that my children are now binge watching again. Um, listen, they could be watching they could be binge watching Tiger King or whatever. Like I would rather Avatar The Last Airbender than anything. You know yep. my son Jake, you know what he just you know what he's uh is getting started on is Doug. Doug. Oh, man. Y'all remember Doug? That warms my heart. He, Literally so, today, uh, somebody sent me uh, them playing, like, you know how everybody's sending out those videos of people playing multiple instruments of them, yeah. you know, it's like themselves? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that to the Doug theme song. So, yeah, dude, listen. He, so we got a new Kindle. I got one of the 10-inch the, the Kindle Fires to share with my daughter because um, hers – was old and busted and I needed one for Dungeons and Dragons books. Um, you know, the first is to first world problems. And, you know, I mean, obviously it runs Disney plus. And so he rolled in there and like so far during the pandemic, he's finished all of Phineas and Ferb, 
all of Milo's Murphy's Law, all of DuckTales, the new one, (laughs) and... Oh, DuckTales is the one I missed. And what else did he do? (laughs) Oh, and Star vs. the Force of Evil. So, like, he's gone through, like, basically... Like, if it's CalArts and available on Disney+, Plus, he has just slaughtered it. And, really um, high-quality stuff. Yeah, no, listen, and he's like, he comes up to us today, and he's like, I'm just looking for something else to watch. And so I suggested Doug. I think he is hesitant only because his dad suggested it, which thus makes it uncool. I was like, how about Gargoyles, dude? I was, and, just, oh, I was literally going to say Gargoyles. I was like, if not Doug, then Gargoyles. Well, gargoyles so, I rewatched, and it's as good as I remember it from my childhood. I watched episode one, and I was like, yo, this is good. Here's the thing with my son, Jake. He's he's he is super into um like cartoons with the exception of like Star versus you know the Evil which is a fantasy show. Like he really likes shows about like just kids. So yeah. um like Phineas and Ferb is admittedly a fantasy show but like whatever it's about kids and Milo's Murphy's Law is the exact same thing only it has Weird Al in it. Have you guys heard of Milo's Murphy's Law? I have not heard of it. Okay, so Linda has because she has children in that age. I have so if you like so Weird good. Al, then you owe it to yourself to watch a few episodes of Milo's Murphy's Law. Imagine uh, the, the whole bit is that he's Milo, uh, Milo Murphy, and so the worst thing always happens to him, and he's in high school, and the bit is like they don't let him go to football games because bad things happen to the team, and there's a there's That's an amazing. And, yeah no it's it's hysterical and there is a original world Weird Al song in every episode. I mean it's short, it's not you know a parody, but it's it's really good. It's um, and That's he just amazing. and he does the voice acting for the main character, so it's just like man, you just every time every time he's watching it, I just can't stop. Um, so you should definitely watch it. You know, in your That's copious amazing. amounts of spare time. <laughs> it's so I good for have- light to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually had that the other day. It's weird that you brought up DuckTales because I sat there and I went, huh? I'm remembering watching DuckTales from when I was a kid. I was like, how does it end? And I was like, I don't remember. And I went and watched the last episode and it's just kind of like a crazy normal episode and then the show is just over. Like yep. there's no resolution. It just It's that episode where everything starts like screwed. Everything he touched just turns into gold. It's a two-part episode and it terrified me as a child. And I had oh, never... That's right. Episode. I didn't realize that was the last episodes. Yeah. Wow. wow, that is crazy. so. That was before Ducktales. The original Ducktales was right along the time when cartoons were allowed to be like serials, where like the 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 plot had a continuous through like right. th- thread. Because before that, every episode had to begin and end exactly the same. They could never change the status quo because they were just there to sell toys. You know, like Transformers is just you know, whatever, right? Like, as I say that as a huge fan, they could never change things because, you know, you want people to buy jazz. Um, And by people, they mean me. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) DuckTales ended right around the time when, you know, like right before you could mess around with that. Like, and that was Gargoyles and ExoSquad and some of those shows from then that like really proved that you could have a story. And now, if they tried to make a show that didn't have like some kind of through lines, people would be like, this is garbage. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I think. Do you think binging changed a lot of that? Like the fact that you watch multiple episodes in a row. If they don't have, if they're all exactly the same, then you kind of get sick of it. I think that. I think it's a chicken or the egg thing. I don't know which one influenced yeah. the other, but I de- it definitely matters. Um, I think children's programming is. I, I know they intention. Like I know that they don't want it to be binged. 
right? Because like right. you know, but it happens anyway. I mean, at least right. now, like <laughs> you know, like Jake will come out and I'll be like, "So, how many episodes you watch today?" And he's like, nine. And I'm like, "Dude, dude!" And I'm like, "You know what? What am I gonna What am I gonna tell you to do? Go ha- play with your friends outside." Yeah. Like you can't do that. So it's like, you know well, what? You could do what I do and send my children out to the yard to do yard work cuz I'm a mean parent. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I could, but the problem is I would have to go out there with them and do it and I don't want to do that. 